If the Jacksonville Jaguars can come back in a playoff game from 27 points and four interceptions from their quarterback, you can do anything this week. Let's talk all things Super Wild Card Weekend. Plus, we're diving into that divisional round, and the Giants are still in the playoffs. Let's go, Big Blue. Fill up those wine glasses. Well, hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Happy Wednesday and welcome to the real football fans of New Jersey. And must we say, let's go Giants. Uh, Katie, I don't know about you, but I am just, I'm on a high. I've been on a high since like, what, 745 on on Sunday. I just, I'm feeling great and I'm just... I'm so happy right now. Well, you know, we uh, we had two podcast shows last week. We were, you know, of course, with you guys on Wednesday, the Real Football Fans of New Jersey. And then we were guests. Um, we were guests on Big Blue Avenue podcast on Thursday night with those guys. They're amazing. So much fun. So much fun. Um, and I just, you know, we were just all hoping and praying that we were going to like see each other next week and be doing our podcast next week. And we were all going to be, you know, relaying good news that the giants had won and celebrating the giants victory. And here we are. It feels so good. I can't wait to, you know, again, discuss the New York giants tonight, only eight teams left and they are one of them. So it, it feels amazing. I'm, I'm very excited. Feeling so good, just that, you know, constant smile across your face, whether you're at work, you're talking to friends, family, there's just been an uptick in happiness this week. But we do have an entire football slate to talk to you guys about with tonight, alongside some drama loms in the housewives world. Would you expect anything less? So let's go ahead and get into it. We asked you guys to ask us questions this week. Um, and we selected a hand few that we really, really like here. As always, if you are watching us live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter right now, tell us your responses to these questions or keep asking us questions throughout the show tonight. So let's start with the first one. And this one is directed towards me. So will Bryce Young be better than Mac Jones, Tua Tungavaloa, and Jalen Hurts? This is a tough question this is a very targeted question a very very tough one for sure uh listen i gotta tell you i think my answer is actually yes um i absolutely adore bryce young um where i really like him is just and listen i love listen two is behind me absolutely love adore tua um, I probably wouldn't put jalen or, or mac jones on my wall so that shows how much i really do love tua um Bryce Young out of the four of them his awareness in the pocket is so admirable his poise under pressure is way better than all three of them from college going into the NFL so obviously we need to see Bryce in the NFL Mm -hmm. but 
I just absolutely love everything I see from this kid. You know, it's funny, Katie, we talk about this all the time when we're talking about Eli Manning and the transition to Daniel Jones and kind of just how they're so similar and how they're so down to earth and like a big play can happen, a really shitty play can happen. And they're just kind of like, you know, it's, it is what it is. You move on. Bryce Young is very much the same. You get the emotion from him. You definitely see that get drawn out over time. But it's like if a bad play happened, he's in there next and he's ready to do It's nothing. It's not going to bring him down. He's going to move forward. He's very poised and he's going to move on. Much like a huge play. He gets super excited and then he did back to back to work. Um, he is very much driven in, you know, his ability and his sport. And I think he is definitely one of the most talented ones out of this group uh, right here. And all I can say is if he extends this talent into the NFL, I'm riding high that four Alabama quarterbacks are doing their thing at the professional level. We yeah. have not seen that. No, years. it was years and years and years and years. I want to say like 10 plus years ago. Quarterbacks yeah. In the league. Yeah. Um, Al Alabama is known for sending linemen, both on and the running backs and wide receivers and D line and everybody except for the quarterback. But the thing, if you look at like 10 year, Alabama's got a lot of offensive and defensive linemen in the yeah. league that have been in the league for years on end. And yes, you see your sparks on running back wide receivers. You're going to always have that pop out guy, but they're known for the, the they've got great lines year after year, but quarterbacks, it's not a thing. So I'm, if, listen, if he proves everyone right that he's going to do big things, we've got four people to look at in the coming years. And I'm very excited about that. Well, I know this question was directed towards you, but what I quickly want to say is, and, and you're a good judge of it, obviously, because you watch Bryce Young and you're saying that you think he's going to be the best. Raw talent is raw talent, but I also hope then for his sake um, that the situation he ends up in with, who he gets drafted by, who his coaching staff is, what kind of offense they run. I hope it works out for him because I just want to make a quick point of look at Trevor Lawrence year one with Urban Meyer and look at Trevor Lawrence year two with Doug Peterson. I think it's night and day, and I don't think it's because he was a rookie and now he's got a year under his belt. I truly think the difference maker we're seeing this year with Trevor Lawrence is the coaching. So I hope if Bryce Young is as good as you're saying, you know, talent is talent. He'll, he'll be good. But I also yeah. hope for his sake that he lands in a good situation for him. Yep. And I hope so as well, of course. All right. So for both of us, how are you making through the week knowing that the Giants play another playoff game on Saturday? So clearly we touched on our excitement a little bit earlier in the show so far. But I mean, Katie, I it's every I'm, I'm, just, not, I'm inching. I'm inching I'm not, to Saturday. I'm not necessarily racing to get there. I'm more so racing to get to the weekend of like, let's get through the work week and like have that okay. <laughs> Um, But I'm, you know, I'm enjoying every day as it comes because like, it's so funny. Like, I feel like when something bad happens, like let's use an example of like, if the Giants were to lose a really bad game, it's almost like, and Caitlin, you would definitely know, like, especially being on Twitter, it's almost like you want to like avoid social media. Right. You don't want to look at it. You don't want to read it. Yeah. You're just going to shut it off and put it away until something else happens. 
each day I'm just enjoying the fact that the Giants are still in it because I can watch TV and hear about them. I can hear about them on the radio. I can read articles about them. I see them on social media. I'm watching the videos. I'm watching the fans getting pumped up all week. I'm like in no necessary rush to like, oh my God, like, can we just get to the game already? I'm like embracing this moment of like each day, like we get to wake up and be like, the Giants are still in it. Like, listen, after Saturday, we might not be able to say that. So like, I'm enjoying being able to say that the Giants are still in it right now. And we're having this show and we're talking about the New York football Giants in the playoffs still. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm inching towards Saturday. Cause it's like, you're almost like you, it was so great. And it's been so great this season. I just keep, I'm like another one. Just give me another game. Just give me another, I need the other game. They're so good. It's like, ah, it just, but yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Like it could be the end on Saturday and that, and that sucks, but I, I still will definitely ride high on this entire season. Yeah. That, yeah that we had. Uh, so we actually just got a question in um, on YouTube. So should the Giants periodically line up a running back or tight end on the right side to help Neil out on Saturday? If I'm the Eagles, I'm really targeting Neil to drive penetration and get sacks. Listen, I think this is a very good point to raise right here. Obviously, Evan Neal has had a, a little bit of a, a tough time over on the right-hand side uh, so far this season. Uh, he is a rookie, um, so I'm not going to be biased here and try to defend him because he is from Alabama. I'm mainly defending him because he is a rookie being put into you know, basically uh, a giant offensive line that we've been building up year after year lately. And basically the, you know, uh, Dable going up to him being like, listen, you, this is, this is it. We drafted you. You're the guy. You got to do what you have to do. They're not going to bench this kid. They're not going to do things like that. I actually think he showed some positivity near the end of last week's game. Um, I was actually pretty impressed with what he was able to do near the end. Uh, I think he had a tough first half, um, but I was actually pretty impressed there. So I think it makes sense to do what you're saying. Um, so I'm going to shout out, you know, it was from uh, Brian Poros there. I think it makes sense to line them up right over on that side and kind of figure it out. But I think it makes sense because, like you said, there's, you know, there's two halves to football. And Evan Neal, he did not play a perfect game, you know, against right. the Minnesota Vikings. And I think this is a great question because let's note, like it's only going to get tougher um, yeah. this weekend Absolutely. against the Philadelphia Eagles in that defense. And so, yeah, I think that's a great point. I'm more than okay with them um, lining up a running back or a tight end on that side to to help them out because, you know, it's okay. Like it's okay. Like that's step number yeah. one is admitting when you need help. I know. <laughs> like, no, it, it is. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, we're recognizing who the Philadelphia Eagles are. You know, we're appreciating their defense and it's not going to be easy. And if we need extra help on that side, then so be it. Like, that's what we got to do. All righty. So obviously that question came in live. So if you guys have any questions, let us know. Um, So moving on to the next one that we got prior to the show. Is this the toughest defense Brock Purdy is going to face thus far? far. So obviously Brock Purdy with the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. I mean, yes, I'm going to go with, yes, yes. it's the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, yeah. Cause I'm looking at the past couple of games. You've got Seattle in Arizona. Yeah. The, you've people, got Vegas. people have actually been making arguments that they feel as though Brock, Brock Purdy hasn't played a tough schedule yet. He hasn't played a tough defense yet. I think this is, well, let's maybe- bring it on for Sunday then. Yeah. Um, and it's funny that this question was asked because 
it's definitely points that I'm going to uh, bring up later on in our game when we mm-hmm. dissect each game. Um, but yes, short and, and simple, this is going to be the toughest defense that Brock Purdy has had to face so far. Absolutely. All right. And then next question, who will Jacksonville's X factor be to potentially win this week? And we're ruling out Trevor Lawrence here. I, w- I honestly would probably rule him out anyway. Um, I think anytime you play Kansas City, like you have to, you have to be able to go toe toe for toe with Patrick Mahomes in the passing game. So yeah, I do believe that it, you know it's going to have to be a big game from Trevor Lawrence. But like Travis Etienne has been a freaking beast. I mean, the guy. Uh, however many in the last however many games. Like I'm, I was looking earlier today. It's like he's he's going a hundred plus almost every game. So he he's got to be the guy, especially if Trevor Lawrence, you know, struggles or, or you know whatever, and, and we're not allowed to pick Trevor Lawrence as our answer. I'll go Travis Etienne. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you on that one, and we'll get into it. Katie and I are gonna dissect the games later again, uh, like we did last week, and we'll continue doing it until the Super Bowl. And we'll get into it more, but you're right. You're absolutely correct. And I think they're going to rely on him a lot this week. So, but again, we'll get into it a little bit more later. Yep. That's it. Those are our questions. Ooh, okay. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. But again, obviously, if you are watching live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter right now, feel free to chime in, ask your questions. We are here. We will answer. We got you guys. Don't you worry. Yes. Let's get into our big stories of the week in the world of football, though. We did this last week, and we've got more updates for you this week. We are going to be talking about the NFL coaching slash GM tracker, what to know, any hirings, interviews, stuff like firing, stuff like that. So we have some updates for you. This first one is a big one. Um, Jim Harbaugh has announced that he will remain as the head coach for the University of Michigan. So again, like this is like back-to-back off-season. Every year. His name is like on the top of everybody's list, but he's chilling in Michigan. He, I, you know, I think one day he will he will come back, but it is not this off-season. I was I, feeling confident about that. I thought it was this you, year. I, I thought, thought you it, were feeling confident about him staying in Michigan. No? No, I thought no. I I was saying I had been hearing obviously we hear this like every off season, but yeah. I've been it it was so much more I feel in the last couple of weeks. Like I was like well, definitely such a good and and hats off to Jim Harbaugh, such a good Michigan football team this year obviously. Right. Uh but yeah, there's a little bit of unfinished business there. So sometimes you know Maybe that's playing a factor in his mind. That's like, what I'm we, thinking. We, we got to win over here. Like, yeah, I got to get the job done and then I could, you know, maybe move on. Yeah. When I first read the this like news, I definitely, that was the first thing that rung in my head. Like he's, he's on itching for it. Yeah. yeah. So, and it is next. So it's, we actually, so I did clarify this. I know we were talking about it a couple of weeks back. The 12 man playoff actually will not happen until next year so i knew like going it so it actually will be the full 2024 season we'll introduce that so that does give uh jim harborough more incentive to stay because it's still technically a four-man playoff next year so michigan i don't know how tcu pulled all their guns against them because it was pretty shitty in the final michigan can find themselves in the same spot next year so yep All right, well, Arizona, uh, they have a new GM. They have hired Tennessee exec 
Monty Ozenfort, and he is going to be the new general manager over there for the Cardinals. Uh, the Chargers, they fired offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi following their playoff collapse against Jacksonville. We're going to be talking about that shortly. Cleveland, uh, this is, you know, a longtime veteran name. They hired Jim Schwartz as their new defensive coordinator. I really like Jim Schwartz as yeah. a coordinator. Obviously, we saw his time as a head coach with the Detroit Lions. That did not work out. I, I think he uh, he's one of those guys where it's like, you know, they get their they get their crack at head coach. And some of these guys are just meant to be coordinators. And I think he's one of them. And that's um, fine. Like, I always like we always talk about that, I feel. And it's like, listen, if you're thriving, that's not like a slight against these guys. If you're thriving as a coordinator, do it. We've seen some of the best people, I feel like, in the Giants go in and out. And they attempt to go be a head coach, and it doesn't work. And you're just like, listen, you do you. You do what you're good at. And it's listen, I would rather be stuck with a phenomenal coordinator for X amount of years than, you know, it's it just doesn't work out sometimes. Well, Arizona, Carolina, Denver, and Houston are all in on the Sean Payton stakes. <laughs> they will all be interviewing him for their head coach vacancies. Arizona has also requested to interview Brian Flores for head coach, former Miami Dolphin head coach. Um, Denver is also interviewing former Stanford head coach David Shaw for their head coaching spot. That's interesting, yeah. <clears throat> um, we've uh, his his name also too. Like I remember last off season, his name was thrown into the mix, but I don't think he was ever yeah. a serious candidate. Like he was right. going to come to the NFL. Um, Sean McVay he attends to return as the Rams head coach for next season. I know things were like the media was kind of putting that up in the air a little bit, but he uh, does plan to be right. the Rams next year. And then the Jets and offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, mutually parted ways after two seasons. Together. Yeah, that's a no-brainer in my opinion. And I got to tell you, Katie, I feel like Rob Sala is still on the chopping block. I know nothing has really come out, but like... See, this is a, But this is a guy, and I love Robert Sala. And me, I don't know, like, is it just that the Jets suck and like people aren't going to find success there? Or is it that he is one of those guys that maybe is meant to be a defensive coordinator? Yeah. I think he, he has the personality. I think he is a, um, I think he's a player's coach. I think his players really like him. And I think he's got, you know, a, a good vibe to him. But I, I don't know. I don't know what that situation is over there. But yeah. I, I'm a big Robert Sala fan. I just, you know, yeah, obviously not good over there. Yeah, and there's definitely, you know, some team. We're going to keep this tracker updated because I still think some teams haven't made decisions yet. And, you know, I don't think what was it? I don't think Black Monday was as big as a thing this year. And maybe it could come later on in life. So I just don't really know. Um, But I think there's definitely still some things that we're going to have to keep keep on the tracker. But we'll definitely let you guys know, obviously. All right. Whew. Well, Katie, they do not call it wild card weekend for any particular reason or not a reason because it was wild indeed. So let's get into what happened this past weekend in the playoffs. So after being down 17 to 16 at halftime, Brock Purdy leads San Francisco three pass touchdowns, one rushing touchdown 
to beat Seattle 41 to 23. They came out in the second half and they were like, you know what? They flipped the double birds and they said, we are running all over you. Whoo. That was a nice way to start things off, but a crazier game to follow after throwing four interceptions, early interceptions, Jacksonville quarterback Trevor Lawrence threw for four touchdowns and had a rushing two-point conversion to come back from a 27-point deficit to beat the Chargers 31-30. to This is the largest comeback in franchise history and third largest in playoff history. I'm almost surprised it's only the third largest comeback in playoff history. 27 points to come back from in a playoff game? That's a lot. Like, I don't a know where the stat is, but who who's number one and who's number two? And when did these happen? That's just insane. And I feel bad for the teams that lost those <laughs> games because, and I, full transparency, I fell asleep during this game. It yeah. was a 27-point deficit. I was done. I was out. And you know what, Katie? I don't feel as bad because I saw a video, I think it was on Instagram the other day, I saw a video of a Chargers fan who fell asleep because he was so confident and he had had a couple oh, beverages. This is like a viral video now. And no. someone woke him up in the last like couple plays of the game and they were like, you should probably pay attention to this. So that's terrible. Uh, you did fall. Asleep. I wouldn't fall asleep during my own game. You you did fall asleep. Um, you were actually watching it more than I was because after those four <laughs> interceptions, I was like, nah, I'm done. It's I was cool. still I'm locked not, in. 27 nothing. I was like, I'm not going to watch it. Caitlin was definitely watching it more than I was. I turned it off. I did not turn it back on until five minutes left in the game when I saw it getting closer and closer. And then I knew for a fact Caitlin was sleeping, but I just kept Ow. texting her still all the updates, even though I knew she was snoozing. But I was like, she's going to wake up to this and like not believe what she is reading. So, so literal fun, fun fact for everyone, because it, it, it's a true story, because I literally fall asleep on my couch all the time. We all know I'm a great, I go to bed at 8 p.m. all the time. So yes, so I, I, my boyfriend and I had gone out for the first game. So we had gone out, we had eat, we ate food, had some drinks, came back. I'm locked in on the game. It's 27, but I'm like, you know what? I'm still watching it. So I end up falling asleep. He falls asleep simultaneously on the couch. I wake up delirious. Like the news was on. I woke up and the news was on my TV. I go, oh, oh. To your text messages, get your text. And I go, no effing way. And I start, I hit my boyfriend and I go, wake up. I go, Jackson. Like Jacksonville won. It's like, you know, when you wake up and you're like, where am I? Like, yeah. He 100% did that. No. And, I was, yes. <laughs> and it's like at that moment, we're both on our phones looking at it, watching like, everything. Did this transpire. No, because like, we had, it felt like we were sleeping for yeah. five minutes. <laughs> and we just missed everything. And it was just like, a, what? What? where am I? What? It was, it was truly unbelievable. Like I could not, like I read your, I think you sent me like four or five texts in a row. I had to reread them waking up and I was like, this is not no. And then pulling up the actual score on my phone. I was like, it is it. This is legitimately it. I couldn't. I'm and I, I'm mad. I, I'm I'm mad. I wish I saw that. 
I feel like the Chargers are becoming this team that they're not living up to expectations. They have such yeah. a, they have such a solid franchise quarterback, a top quarterback in the league that like teams just would kill for. And you've got the pieces and you've got a top running back and you've got two top wide receivers and right. you have an amazing defense. And it's just like, what the F is happening? They've yeah. got to put it together because like I said, people would kill to have a roster like that. Yeah, I think the most frustrating thing, and like obviously this is afterwards, like peeling, like picking apart the game and trying to understand what happened that I didn't see, is that you know the Chargers, like you're you're up 27 points. Like, look at your run game; it's so impressive. Take advantage of that going into the later half of the game. Stop giving time to Trevor Lawrence to go back and throw four touchdowns on you guys and use the clock, eat it away, run that ball. You are so talented. Yes, Justin Herbert's talented. But I thought they didn't have to. Because I even said to you, I go, so do they rest Justin Herbert at the I, for next week? Like they probably just weren't even taking it. To that, it, like they clearly should have, but they weren't taking playoffs. Like, well, we've got to chew up this clock. No. We're up twenty-seven, nothing. Screw that. Honestly, the Chargers and every other NFL team that's up by a shit ton in the playoffs, take a script from Kirby Smart with Georgia. They were up by like a thousand points on TCU, and guess what they kept doing in the fourth quarter? Scoring touchdowns. Yeah, Stop. I genuinely, Dude. I texted Caitlin and I was like, so they going to rest Justin Herbert for next week? Like, no, are they going to bench Trevor Lawrence? Like, uh, that's where I thought the game was freaking I up. thought Trevor Lawrence was going to get benched. That that was my biggest thing. And then I think if they scored like one or two more and even just, it was, a, if it was a field goal, it was a touchdown. I would have probably questioned the Justin Herbert thing, but Trevor Lawrence, I feel like, but listen, it clearly was a good decision because he came back and battled back. So wild and crazy, but listen, people, we, we've still got more games coming here on that. So a lot of people thought this was going to be a blowout Buffalo versus Miami, but listen, they barely, barely gone by. 34 to 31. Um, I definitely went into that game. I think both of us looked at it kind of not, maybe, not a blowout for sure, but I thought Buffalo was going to take it. But I got to tell you, Katie, there, and I think I texted this to you. I am definitely nervous about this weekend going against Philadelphia. Like I'm not like naive, like I understand, but I think something that like Cincinnati and Buffalo showed us this past weekend is that they are beatable and they have some pretty big flaws in their teams. And I think Buffalo for the most part against that Miami team with really nothing going for them right now, we saw a lot of hiccups. Well, I also, I, I want to give like a huge shout out by the way to Skylar Thompson. Oh, hundred percent. Skylar Huntley. Yep. Both of them. Because they were not, you know, meant to be there in those positions and they freaking played their hearts out and they gave, the, they gave their team what they, what you can only ask for, give us a fighting chance. And they both did that. And they and both fought off to both of them. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. The most exciting. Okay. No bias here. This is probably the most exciting game of the week. I got it. No bias. I think it was the most exciting it game was of the, the weekend. Most offensively exciting game, I would say. Yes. So the New York Giants upset the Minnesota Vikings 31 to 24 for their first playoff win in 11 years. Hell yeah. Daniel Jones threw for 301 yards, 
two pass touchdowns, and he was the game's leading rusher with 78 yards. So hell yeah, like let's up and go. What a game. Honestly, we were on our toes. Katie and I were sick to our stomach these entire game. It was a, it was a sweating. We were shaking. We were, I, Katie, I gotta tell you, I almost threw up at one point. I was very, I'm just very nauseous. I didn't know what was going on. It, it was, was uh, like, obviously Minnesota opened with the ball and they, they drove down pretty easily and right. they scored right away. And I was like, oh, oh shit. shit. Yeah. But then when we had our opening drive and we easily got down the field and we scored, that was the, the second I knew we're going punch for punch, blow for yeah. blow. Like we're just going to go back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. So Yeah, that, de that definitely made me a little nervous though because I think we had spoken about that last week. That we didn't want to get into a back we and forth. We didn't want to. And I didn't think that the Giants could actually sustain something like that. But I think it was really, you know, our offensive trips down the field, we did take up so much time. Um, and yeah, it really yes. did help us in the end. Um, and a lot of the stuff, I think we didn't really make a lot of like mistakes offensively until like the third quarter. I think we saw a couple of like drives that didn't really pan out for us. I would say it was like two to three plays, maybe Katie in the whole game. And I was just like, wow, maybe we can at this point. Well, we didn't want to get into a shootout. And, and me personally, what I didn't want is I didn't want Kirk Cousins to have the ball in his hand last because I was no. afraid that if that was the case, like it was a couple of weeks ago when we played, that right. they would beat us. And the offense for the New York Giants, we don't we don't haven't said this much over the last several seasons. The offense carried the defense in this game. Yeah. But at the very end, when the defense had to step up and they had to shut down a final potential game time drive from Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings, they did it. So, yeah. um, well, shout out to Xavier McKinney. He was all over Hawkinson, who Hawkinson was all over the Giants in that game. Um, but it came down to that final that final pass, and you know, shout out to Xavier McKinney. He really locked it down, and I think I literally peed my pants when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> all righty uh we spoke about it before obviously baltimore uh quarterback tyler huntley had a great great effort uh but cincinnati did go on to beat the baltimore ravens 24 to 17 it was a listen this is really bad it was a fumble in the end zone basically right on then so that returned for 98 yards um so that really really cost them that the was the right dagger there. that, that yeah. clearly was the dagger they won by seven yeah and 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 Baltimore was in the red zone about to score at the goal line. So that right. was 100% the difference in this game. 100%. And then, ugh, awful. But Dallas win. This was the worst game of the weekend. You said this, like, before we started talking about it, being like, it was a great, like, wild weekend of games. And honestly, they were all good games except for this one. No, this game was trash. I 100% I turned it off at halftime. Um, Dallas uh, beat Tampa Bay, and they won 34 to 14. I don't even 31, think that. 31 to 14. 31 to 14, excuse me. Uh, I don't even think Tampa showed up. Um, Dak Prescott threw for four touchdowns and rushed for one himself. Uh, and listen, that's, you know, big game for him right there, obviously. But Yo, Tampa, like what where the hell were you? I like I said, I turned it off. I went to bed at halftime. I, I, I just I I guess this is very fitting for how the NFC South was and like 
who was going to represent them. So maybe also too, like Dallas shouldn't be bragging that much. Cause like, well, kind of well, do you want to say that Tampa Bay has an average defense, right. maybe above average defense. And this was a really, really big game for Dak Prescott, who like when we dissected these games last week, I said Tampa Bay was going to win. And I was saying it was because Dak Prescott's been playing really poor football lately to come out and throw for four touchdowns and also rush for one. I mean, that was a monster performance from him. 100%. And, you know, gets his team the win, but also I feel like mentally gets him back on track of like, okay, like, I'm good. I can do this. We can win games. Like, I can yeah. help be the leader to win those games. Like, because he he needed that for Dallas to continue to go on. Mm -hmm. Well, I must say, this is breaking news, that Daniel Jones is the Nickelodeon MVP for the week. They're Nickelodeon most valuable <laughs> player. So I, I literally... You know what? Like, I honestly, like, I saw it on ESPN. I saw it here. I saw it there. A lot of people are... <clears throat> You know, calling Daniel Jones the biggest winner of the weekend and saying well, that Nick, Katie, Nickelodeon player. just said it, so that's that's it. That's Who's all that on it, baby. It's done. Yeah. It's and also, I was not the only person to turn it off and fall asleep at halftime. So <laughs> I must say, I did that during I, a lot. I of guarantee you, so many people did that. Well, I did it a lot. This is my my theory on it. I've actually only really done it during Thursday night games. Every time I would shut the TV off and go to bed during Thursday night game this year, one time it didn't happen. The other team would come back and win. That was like a thing. So I was like, maybe if I put those vibes into the air, Tampa Bay, no, they ended up losing worse. So screw you guys because you screwed us clearly. So we have to keep yeah. with Dallas now. But hey, three NFC East teams still in the playoffs. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Three teams from one division making it into the divisional round for the first time since 1997. Look at us. Wow. <laughs> Who would have thought? Look at us. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, and I'm like, I think that's great. Obviously, we were the yeah. division that sent the most teams to the uh, to the playoffs, and they're all still standing. And um, you know, let's go. Every, everybody, in, in, in this is including the Washington Commanders, played good football yeah. this season and if you look across the board at all the divisions like their fourth place team washington had the best fourth place record out of all the other fourth place teams like it was not an easy time playing in the nfc east so no. it's good to see it you know never is <laughs> screw the other two Girl. um all right well anyways let's get into our picks for this weekend for the divisional round we're going to give the picks and then later on in our game we're really going to dissect these matchups um you know we'll pick mvps we'll do score predictions we'll get into the juicier details but this is still juicy itself i'm ready to hear who you picked for these four games kick it off <sighs> all right i feel like there's always so much pressure when we pick these games i know but all right we've got two on saturday two on sunday for you guys so first matchup I'm going with Kansas City. Call me crazy and call it the hype, but I am going with the New York Giants on Saturday night as well against the Philadelphia Eagles. And to wrap it up on Sunday, I'm going with Buffalo and I'm going with the 49ers. I must say, out of all of these games, I feel like Buffalo-Cincinnati was my one that I really, really struggled with. 
Yeah, you know what? I didn't think too much into that one because like I told you guys and I gave you a spoiler alert, I am going to ride with Buffalo all the way to the end. It was my preseason pick and so it's going to stay that way. But had they not been, if I had not been going about it that route, that is, I think is a very difficult game to pick between it. It, it right. really is. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, with that being said, uh, this weekend I am going with Kansas City, the New York Giants. <laughs> this is good. I feel like we're on the same page. It's good news. Also, like, you you know I'm, like, never biased, but I just don't even know if at this point, like, I could say Philly's name in this playoffs. No. Season. Like, regular season, I was like, yeah, um, Philly's going to beat us. Yeah, Philly's going to beat us. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. Obviously, this Giants team is different. They're hot right now. I always think the Giants are a scary playoff team, regardless of what the regular season has been. I wouldn't want to play them. The seeds are, like uh, – I go. I'm going on vibes on that one, um, and then nice. rounding it out on Sunday, I am going with Buffalo, and I am going with the 49ers. So we right. are four for four. Four for four. All right. Cool. Yes. It is definitely good. I think honestly, I do think these games will be good. Obviously, we'll dive into them a little bit more later. But I'm I'm ready, Katie, for another solid Saturday Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so like we said, we will de- we're will we going to pick apart these four games for you guys in a little bit, but let's go ahead and get into our big stories of the week in the world of Housewives. Jen Shaw and the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, we got some updates for you here. So Jen Shaw has been ordered to participate in a mental health treatment program as part of her probation following her prison release. So she will undergo five years of supervised, supervised release which will include that treatment. She also has to continue to take any prescribed medications. She stated before that she's on antidepressants, um, unless otherwise instructed by a healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. Um, Also as well, Shaw also seemed to confirm uh, that she will have a sit down interview with Andy Cohen this weekend As for the rest of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City cast, a report came out this week that the franchise will be put on pause and is facing a cast shakeup. So this is every franchise lately. I know. And I think it's just Bravo trying to save. I think all of them, I honestly feel like all of them are struggling except for New Jersey. Yeah. So here is, uh, we have a source uh, from Salt Lake City, a quote in regards to that last statement. So after a whole season with practically no storylines and an even worse reunion that has not aired yet, execs seem to be scrambling with the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, uh, with the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City housewives. None of the women have received deals for a fourth season, which was supposed to start filming this month and has now been pushed to probably February with no specific date. One producer claims Lisa Barlow is the only one who's safe, but she's very difficult to cast around. (laughs) Seems like a major casting shakeup or a Real Housewives of Dallas style, which they kind of just like push them away, and we don't know when they're coming back. That was like three years ago at this point. 
Uh, no plans to bring back uh, announcement is imminent. So yeah, I have a lot of, I have a couple of thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, number one, why is Lisa Barlow the one that's safe? I got, I agree. I agree with you on that one. Agree. I agree. I do feel like Heather Gay is kind of like she's the face of the franchise. I think, and yeah. even if not Heather, I probably still put Meredith over Lisa Barlow. Yeah, Lisa um, sucks. I think we we both I, have come to terms really with that. Been fans of Lisa. No. But, uh, okay. Point number two is uh, they bring up scrambling for storylines. I've said this as we've been talking about Jen and the future of her future and the future of the show. And I brought up on our show a couple of times saying that, like, I think Bravo has got to be really nervous about the fact of like, where is this franchise going to go? Jen shot hate her or love her. She is like the biggest storyline on the franchise. Mm -hmm. She had the biggest, she was always involved with the drama, always screaming and fighting with everybody, throwing glasses at people. She was every single major fight. It involved Jen Shaw. So she's not in the picture anymore. I feel like they're like, oh shit, now what? Uh, you yeah. got, when we first were introduced, these women, Meredith and Seth, were having marital problems. That's no longer the case. Um, Mary Cosby was even controversial. She's not on it anymore. Okay. Um, I, I just feel like if they were to continue as is and just go into the next season, they would be pulling for storylines and almost trying to force situations which fans are already skeptical about with reality television is like right. are you forcing this like to happen or is this actually yeah yeah and you know like you had mentioned earlier like you said every franchise is doing this i don't think bravo can afford to be scrapping around for a franchise they just brought on three seasons ago look how bad it looks on them they brought in some pieces some friends for salt lake city who like just they don't like you can't even promote them to full time right no adding anything um and then point number three i want to make which is just an open question to you because it was something that i was thinking about earlier that i haven't seen many people discuss what do you think the future is for the for the marriage of Jen Shaw and Coach? So uh, it's 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 interesting that you say that because I think one of the biggest like um, things that's going to come out in the reunion, apparently in the reunion, they do bring up that they are like on the rocks that there is like some well, like trouble in paradise, but she's not there. But the other women right, bring right. it up and they are talking about it because they're clearly going to get approached in the reunion about her legal everything like well, that. Um, she obviously is not there. Apparently she's going to have to sit down with Andy Cohen. We'll see what brings to that. So, yeah. Um, I mean, she's going away for six years, like six years. But Katie, if you think about it, every time we've seen her on the show, he's there sometimes for like, maybe like big events. But during the week, she always says he's never home because he's at coaching and he's right. And she was already mad at him for all this before all the legal stuff went down. She was mad because he had missed her father's funeral. Um, But then also with this court case that came up, like remember when in the ninth hour, like somebody wanted to bring in um, that they had a um, what you call it a a restraint in order. 
what, why am I brain farting on the freaking term? A restraining order. A restraining order. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay. um, yeah, someone had a restraining order against her because the whole story was that Jen reportedly had an affair with this woman's husband. Right. And like recently, and the woman actually texted coach the receipts, right. like their text exchange, the husband and Jen Shaw. So these were more more marital problems that right. are just being brought to light. That's why I'm also curious and I'm also asking, like, if this was someone that, like, had an affair on him, like, is he going to stand by her while she's in jail for six years? I, I, I don't think so. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Well, we did bring this up. This was breaking news as we started um, our show last week. And we told you we were going to give you more information uh, this week once we got uh, got all of it. But we are talking about Shannon Bedore's breakup. So as we reported last week, Real Housewives of Orange County, Shannon Bedore and John Jansen ended their relationship after three and a half years of dating. Uh Caitlin, you weren't the only one who felt blindsided by this. Uh, Shannon reports being blindsided by the breakup after John ended things in late November. So this didn't just like, it publicly came out this right. past week, but this did, they did break up at the end of November. Um, and that was just one week after filming wrapped on season 17. I do have a quote from Shannon who said, all I can do is repeat in my head what he said to me while we were filming. We were in a great place, but seven days later, when the cameras were down, it was a completely different story. He told me he was done with the relationship, and to hear what he said to me uh, then was absolutely devastating. So um, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I'm, I'm still shocked, Katie, to this day. We do have a, re a reason for the timing of it all, you know, when the cameras went down. But, but, but uh, Bedore went on to say that she had never loved anyone more in her life and was hopeful that John uh, was going to be the man she was going to spend the rest of her life with. John explained that once he came to the conclusion that the relationship wasn't forever, he knew he needed to end things, but he also didn't want Shannon to suffer the humiliation of doing it on camera. I get it, but honestly, like... No, you don't drag things no. on. Oh, my God. Okay, I got to be, like, fully blunt and transparent right now. I've been a part of a relationship where someone drags something on just to not humiliate you or to do something. You do not drag something on and fake something. If you have a feeling about something, you need to tell the individual. Like, yeah. it is so much worse because now she's going in her head and she is, like, reliving every single moment like in that time frame right like we're you, all, so all of those moments i shared with you were fake you already knew that you didn't want to be yeah like listen like i just like and this is again coming from personal experience like you cannot if you you feel some you need to talk to that person you've been with someone for three and a half years yeah. grow a set and talk to someone i don't give a shit if a camera is rolling for the next feature film the best next blockbuster or the real housewives of orange county or Katie, us right now on our podcast. I do not care what camera is rolling or there is no camera rolling. Yeah. You need to own up. And these are adults. That is terrifying. Yeah. Like What's these are name? old ass people. Like that is horrifying that no one changes clearly with age. And clearly yeah. this guy is a piece of shit. I am just, I'm still mind boggled like by this whole situation. But like yeah. when I read that, I was so thrown, yeah. like get the hell out of here. Like, I, listen, I get that she's on television and you were thinking that you didn't want the breakup to be filmed on TV because you didn't want her to be humiliated. 
let's just say yeah. whether you're on TV or not, you know, the, you know, it's never great timing for a breakup. Like no, no matter what, there's no good timing for it. Um, and I just think like she is in the public eye. So like maybe it wasn't on being filmed on camera, but you knew it was going to be a big time story regardless right. in the media. So it just, it, it wasn't a good decision on his part. I, no. I um, no. Days after the couple confirmed their breakup publicly, a photo of John and a mystery woman dining at one Saw of that. favorite restaurants hit the internet. Again, they did break up at the end of November. I'm not right. saying like what, like, it's not like he went out days later and then, you know, no, yeah. started dating. So I'm not going to rip his head off for that one. No, no. Um, but the Real Housewives of Orange County season 17 is expected to begin airing sometime in the coming months. So we will, you know, see that relationship. And we said it last week, like maybe we will get you know, a little bit of a glimpse into, oh, that seems off or that didn't seem right. right. Or, or or we're going to watch them seem lovey-dovey and all this shit. And like you said, we're going to like look back on it and be like, oh, that was fake. That wasn't right. Fake. He already knew that he was done with her. Like, so. It'll it'll make be- me hate him even more. So. Yeah. Oh, la, la, la. Crazy, crazy. Yes. All right, well, let's get even crazier, Katie. We're playing our game for this week, and we are doing what we did last week. We'll take you all the way to the Super Bowl at this, but it's the divisional round of the playoffs this week, so we're going to give you our breakdown. We are looking at each matchup. We've got four of you this weekend, a four for you this weekend. Um, We're going to fill in the blanks for our predictions of, you know, how these teams can win, who's going to be the most standout player, and things like that. So let's go ahead and kick it off with Saturday. We've got Kansas City, number one, versus number four, Jacksonville. So we'll do these one by one here. So, Katie, what do the Chiefs have to do to win this game? Oh, by the way, I did note this time, and we have it for two of these matchups that um, these teams have previously played. So this is actually one of them. These two teams played each other in Week 10, and Kansas City won 27-17. Very interesting. That being said, the Chiefs will win if Travis Kelsey cooks. The biggest defensive weakness is stopping tight ends. They let up 1,087 receiving yards and 13.1 yards per catch to tight ends this season, which were both third worst in the NFL. This could be a monster day for Travis Kelsey. All right. Well, I say if the Chiefs will win – If they do the magic of picking off Trevor Lawrence, we saw it last week, and you get Patrick Mahomes back on the field. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. The Jags will win if? The Jaguars will win if they take advantage of an inexperienced Kansas City secondary. And Trevor Lawrence continues to do well in the passing game, but zero turnovers. So, like, you know, it takes a lot to come back from 27 nothing, And that was done through the air off Trevor right. Lawrence's arms, four touchdowns, a two-point conversion that he got. Um, have that game, Trevor Lawrence, but you have to have zero turnovers with it. Yeah, I literally wrote they will win if he does not throw four picks. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's that. It's that. Because he's so, he is so capable of scoring points and throwing touchdowns. But, like, you just need to understand, like, you are blessed that you won that game. Like, this is the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, you not can't be able even to come back from 27. You, you can't even throw one, like, one pick, like, let alone four. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. No. 
All right, the quarterback with the most passing yards will be. So I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence. And I'm going with him because I'm going to say that Jacksonville will be trying to play catch up with Kansas City, which will lead to more pass attempts from Trevor Lawrence versus Patrick Mahomes. All right. I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes on this one. I think offensively they will be have the upper hand on this game. All right. All right. The running back with the most rushing yards will be. Travis Etienne. I'm going with Travis as well, and I think it's mainly because after last week, while Trevor Lawrence did throw four touchdowns, yeah. I think they're going to like kind of be a little weary with him throwing it in the air because of the four interceptions as well. So, And if you have a running back of Travis Etienne, yeah. get that run game in motion. I think they're going to rely heavily on him this week. So, And yeah. I really, I got to tell you, I don't, I don't like Kansas City's run game at all. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. All right, the wide receiver with the most receiving yards will be, and I have an asterisk here. <laughs> asterisk. It's not going to be a wide receiver. It's, it's going to be Travis Kelsey. I will, So we're the back-to-back Travises here. Um, I'm going with Travis Kelsey as well. So I didn't pick a tight end at all last week. I know you did, but I think this one is very um, – It's even, Travis Kelsey. Like, come on. Yeah. And listen, like the, the the Chiefs are impressive offensively, but it's so funny when you peel back the layers and look at the names that you know Patrick Mahomes work with. And at the end of the day, it's Travis Kelsey's that main guy. He's that number one. He's number he one. Gets, like across the board, to be yeah. he can run the ball for all we care, and he'll still get there. So, all right, who do you prefer an MVP in this game? Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I am going to give it to Patrick Mahomes, though, uh, if they do they do run away with this here. This, I think this is going to be 100-plus receiving yards and two touchdowns from Travis Kelsey. Oh, love that. Market people, write it down. You got the receipts here live. <laughs> All right, the final score of the game will be? 34-27 Kansas City. Oh, you are a lot more generous than me. And I think that this is my biggest point differential. Um, I am going 30 to 13, Kansas City. All right. I do have a fun fact for this game. In his 24-year coaching career, Andy Reid is 28 and 5 coming off a bye, including playoff games. And Patrick Mahomes has a career record of 9 and 1 off the bye. Not want to play the Chiefs after they've rested. <laughs> No. And that's impressive because like as much as like I know the Giants haven't been to the playoffs since 2016, <laughs> but like and I know these teams have been well seasoned into it. But I just feel like I don't know. The more I think about it, that first round by in the playoffs, like, do you really like want to strive? Like I want to like be in it. Like um, be like some I think that clearly. some people, I think we we only see two things. It's it's some people strive off of it. Yeah. Like, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and then you see other teams where it hurts them where it's like no they just need to like keep riding and like you yeah. know they can't have that break in between so we'll all right let's move to our second Saturday game we have our other one seed the Philadelphia Eagles versus the number six seed the New York Giants yes and obviously these division rivals played each other twice this season. Yep. Philly won both games by scores of 48 to 22 in week 14 and 22 to 16 in week 18. Ugh, I always forget how ugly the first one was. Uh, the Eagles will win if? 
The Eagles are going to win if their uh, defensive pressure keeps Daniel Jones on the ground, meaning like they get sacks on him instead of him yeah. running down the field. They have to contain Daniel Jones, and they can do that. Philly leads the NFL in sacks. They have five guys on their team that have had 10 or more of them this season. So, I mean, that that to me is going to be the biggest difference maker. Yeah, so I'm actually going to keep this on the offensive side for Philly. And this was actually my my thought for the Vikings last week, and they did not heed my warning or advice. That's probably why they lost. They need to get up early on the Giants. And I said this for the Vikings last week, three-plus scores early on. That will be really hard for the Giants to come back. And also, too, Jalen Hurts is very capable, me, capable to spread his points to multiple wide receivers yeah. and their tight ends. Like he can spread the love across that board right there. So that's how I think they'll win three plus early on them. And then you got to spread it out to multiple weapons to really keep the giants on their toes defensively. Yeah. The giants will win. If I'm looking at the defensive side of the ball, I think, I think they could win if they shut down AJ Brown, similar to how they shut yeah. down Justin Jefferson in the wild card round. And I keep in mind in their week 14 loss, which was that blow off, uh, blowout loss, the Giants were missing three key defensive starters in Leonard Williams, Adoree Jackson, and Xavier McKinney. And then, of course, they the Giants rested their starters in week 18 while yep. Philly played their starters. So their defensive stars are going to be difference makers in this third matchup. Yeah. So honestly, the Giants, if they can just like clone what they did offensively last week, <laughs> yeah, that would be great. But Katie, we spoke so highly of our defense last week going into the game. And mm -hmm. I got to tell you that Xavier McKinney play at the end of the game was really that big standout, that highlight. We needed something so much more, so much bigger earlier in the game. We needed a key pivotal turnover we did and i'm going to bring that into this week katie and again it's that key word that i say early it has to be early because it has to be that momentum driver or like you said that pivotal change right for the team so again offensively let's clone it let's look like we did last week but defense guys like you you said it earlier this is the first time the offense carried the defense let's not let's have a little 50 50 this week <laughs> so. yeah all right, the quarterback with the most passing yards will be? I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts. So am I. I think the weapon's around, and that goes back to my first thing on them winning. You know, he's got Devontae Smith. He's got A.G. Brown. He's got Goddard. He could throw to so many people, so I think it's just going to be up in the air for him. Literally. <laughs> All right, the running back with the most rushing yards will be? Honestly, I, I'm going with Saquon Barkley. So this, am I. This could be either one of the quarterbacks. Honestly, Daniel was the leading rusher in that wild card game. This at the end of this game, it could be Daniel Jones, it could be Jalen Hurts, but I am going to go with Saquon Barkley. So this is the one thing I'm I'm super impressed about. I am going Saquon Barkley as well, but I'm so happy you brought up the quarterbacks. Uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, he runs the ball as a quarterback like he is almost a tight end. Like he is like plowing through people and he is he's that tall and he's everything like that daniel jones is tall and muscular but he just kind of like happily trots like out of bounds like he finds yeah. his way he's very fluid like, he goes yeah he but but jalen hurts like he like and I, i've mentioned this many a times too obviously my boyfriend's an eagles fan i i'm just like he just like 
can really like take down people in his way. And he has no like kind of like nervousness. Like he just will plow through people, but he gets the, he gets there. Um, yeah. So I think both quarterbacks, I'm really happy that you brought that up because I think we're going to see a lot of back and forth between the two of them this weekend. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's going to be, we didn't even mention that as the key for the win, but like it those could, guys and, the, and how well they both run the ball is going to be like a huge factor in this game. 100%. All right. The wide receiver with the most receiving yards will be. We need redemption. We need redemption for that dropped pass late at the end of the game. I'm going Darius Slayton. Wow, I love that you picked that. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with A.J. Brown on this one. Uh, I, I would love for the Giants to lock him down, like you had said earlier. Um, but it just, I think, you know, Jalen to him, just it, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think Saquon will be big on the ground for us. Like, I, I think that'll be, but I think we'll get actually some points on the defensive side in this game as well. So, you know, I think it just AJ Brown will be a tough one. Yeah. So, all right, the MVP of the game will be Nick, 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 Nickelodeon, Daniel, Daniel Jones, the MVP, the Nickelodeon most valuable. Player. He'll be the MVP again. I'm going DJ. Listen, I went defense here. Um, different from last week, I did pick Dexter Lawrence last week, and hey, Katie, Dexter Lawrence had a hell of a game. Like almost, he had like a 99% like flawless game. I think he made like one error and it wasn't even like a 1% error. It was like a 0.01% error. Like he had a flawless game last week. I'm actually going to go with the guy who locked the game up from us and let's see. And what do you do? I'm going to go with Xavier McKinney. You want that big explosive play, Katie, defensively? I think we'll do it. And I think we're going to get some points defensively. I'm going to go with Xavier McKinney on this one as our MVP. All right. Like it. All right. And the final score, Katie and I both picked the Giants. So what do you have score-wise? I got a two-point difference. I'm going 26-24 Giants. Oh, we're Do so – people, hold your breath. I don't even know. It makes me nervous. I don't know if I want to go to Saturday yet. That's nervous. Um, but, yeah, so we are one point behind. I'm going 27-24. So it's still – Oh, my God. Okay. It's right there. It's right there. But That's holy, funny. All right. Holy gloss. Right. Holy, holy gloss. Yeah. All right. Let's move into Sunday. We've got number two, Buffalo versus number three, Cincinnati. And listen, I got to tell you, I think a lot of people are ready for this game. You know, we we got the, the game cut short, unfortunately, a couple couple weeks back that Monday night game. Yeah. So we're, we're looking for a real, and this is a, this was one of the hardest ones for me to pick. I think this game, but what a, what a matchup. I think this is, yeah. The, as a football fan, this is probably like your favorite matchup of the week. And I love that. It's the early game too. Yeah, this, Holy, this is a good one. This is a good one. Give it to me early people. All right. The bills will win. If. The Bills will win if the defense destroys Cincinnati's depleted offensive line and sacks Joe Burrow five-plus times. So over the last three weeks, Cincinnati has lost three starters on their offensive line, and they're 0-3 this year when Burrow gets sacked five-plus times. Yeah. And it sucks because I do feel like Cincinnati's offensive line was absolutely freaking atrocious last year. I do feel like they improved somewhat this season. And to lose key starters on your line, 
uh, going into this game. It's like, what are you supposed to do? But right. I mean, what are you, Buffalo, what they're supposed to do is they have to take advantage of that and they have to get Burrow on his ass. Absolutely. And I, I think so as well. I think the Bills got to get up really early, two plus two plus scores here, I'm thinking early, uh, and then one defensive play. So like you had said, if that defensive play is getting on, you know, Joe Burrow from a sack interception standpoint, I think that's what, you know, really will seal it up for the, the Bills here. All right. All right. The Bengals will win. I'm going to say their defense as well. So if their yep. defense gets a key turnover off Josh Allen, they're going to, they're going to get a win. Allen has actually thrown for 16 interceptions. He and is pickable. Lost- he is so pickable. He's thrown for 16 picks and lost six fumbles this season. Yeah. Those 22 turnovers are the most by any quarterback in the league this year. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati, like obviously Buffalo's got such a firepower offense, but you can and need to get turnovers off of Josh Allen. I had mentioned this earlier that the bill showed us last week that they've got some holes. They've got some hiccups and it's kind of a shame to say that it's a lot of it is with Josh Allen. He, he is pickable. He is fumbling. We are seeing some things here. Listen, I'm going to say, and that's how I agree with you. You got to pick off Josh Allen, but guess what the, the Bengals need to do. If they get a pick, they got to score on that next drive. It's not a pick oh, and it's yeah. out. It's they got to score immediately on those drives. They need, they're going to be behind in points a lot this game and oh. they need to take advantage. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right. The quarterback with the most passing yards will be. I am going to go with Josh Allen. I am as well. The running back with the most rushing yards will be. Joe Mixon. I'm going with Joe Mixon as well, and it's the point that you made earlier that this offensive line for the Bengals, and how the hell are we entering a a season two of Joe Burrow having a shitty-ass offensive line? They are depleted, like you absolutely said, so they they got to work on that run game, and they really just, I I don't know how much time. I don't like Buffalo's run game. I just don't. Oh, I don't like that either, but I'm just saying I think that, you know, the Bengals are really going to have to rely on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. The wide receiver with the most receiving yards will be vibes, gut feeling, Gabe Davis. I like that. I'm going to be very obvious, obvious here with Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Um, and I think that I really liked he had 100 plus with, um, you know, Josh Allen last week. See, so just, Gabe Davis. Watch I know. Out now. That's what I was going to say. The interesting thing is that, you know, Prior to last week, though, Stefan Diggs was kind of like in like the mid range, like he wasn't throwing up big, big numbers. But is it that playoff spark that's going to get him and, and Josh Allen to buy? I really do. I like your pick, though, but um, I was pretty basic with Stefan Diggs there. <laughs> All right. The MVP of this game will be. I'm going to say Josh Allen. Me, too. I think it's a kind of a given if. Yeah. Um, and then the final score. What do you think in here? I'm, this is a close one for me. I'm going 31-28 Buffalo. All right. I am going 30-21 Buffalo. Um, my fun fact for this game, Joe Burrow has never lost in the month of January and is 6-0 and oh in his <gasps> career. My God. Going to be 6-1. and one. I'm sorry, Joe. Ah, well, we will see. That was a tough one for me to pick, but yeah. ah. All right, moving into Sunday night to wrap up the weekend for us. We have number two, San Francisco versus number five, Dallas. The Niners will win if? 
the Niners are going to win if Nick Bosa and company force turnovers off Dak Prescott. And I know I sound like a broken record of like defense has to cause turnovers. Defense no. has to cause turnovers. But the defense for the freaking 49ers is it's just hot. so hot. scary. And they need yeah. to just take it to them. They're, they, the defense, I believe, will win the game for the 49ers. Yeah, I don't think you sound like a broken record because I think you see a trend with us. I actually think this weekend we're going to see the most defensive play in every single game. Like we are going to see some magic happen across the board defensively. Um, Because I say the same thing. Niners going to win three plus picks on Dak Prescott and three sacks on Dak Prescott. That is a, a six turnover or six defensive play marker there. And I think they can do it. I think the Niners are literally the scariest defense in the NFL. And I, I want to win this weekend, but I don't know if I want to go up against them next week. So that's <laughs> all I have to say about that. <laughs> um, the Cowboys will win if I'm still looking at the defense. And I, I, like I said, I'm glad we got that question earlier in the show because um, the Cowboys will win if their pass rush gets the better of Brock Purdy. And I noted that I think this is Purdy's biggest test that he will face yet. This is the best defense he's been playing against so far. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be an asshole here and I'm going to say that they make their uh, extra points. So, uh, because, sorry, you literally cannot <laughs> miss those against a team like the Dallas Cowboys. So, <sighs> okay. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry, but I don't know how you advance in the playoffs and missed that many. But yeah, sucks to suck. <laughs> All right, the quarterback with the most passing yards will be. I think it's going to be Dak Prescott. I went with Dak as well. Uh, the running back with the most rushing yards will be Christian McCaffrey. Very similar. I went with Christian, obviously McCaffrey as well. Um, the wide receiver uh, with the most receiving yards will be a lot of names to pick on both both of these teams, both sides. Yeah. Of the ball. Uh, but I'm going to go with Stan Franz, Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, I really I love Brandon Ayuk. I think we spoke about him a lot last week as well. Um, I just think with you know Dak up in the air, passing a lot. Uh, I'm going to go with CD Lamb on this one. Okay. Uh, MVP of the game. This was your MVP MVP pick last week. I'm going with him this week. I will say Nick Bosa. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm actually going to go with Christian McCaffrey on this one. Uh, I think they're going to really, they're really going to move him. Um, yeah. And we saw it last week. I think we're going to see it even more this weekend. All right. The final score of the game will be. This is my lowest one. I've got this final score 24-20 San Fran. Yeah, I think this is my tightest one, actually. Oh, no, it's um, – I'm still in a – I think the Giants and uh, Eagles or three points on the Giants in Philly. I have three points here as well, which is, is interesting because I do – I always love for the Niners to blow out uh, the Cowboys. Yeah. But if you really peel back the layers, it, this could statistically happen for sure. I'm going with 30-27 uh, San Francisco. Okay. So. I got to tell you, I, I really raised up my scores this week based off of last weekend. We were very conservative with our scores last week. I feel like in the 20 range and like things like that. I think one game we each had like 30 points, but whew, we've got, we had some scores last week. So I definitely looked back at it and I was like, all right, maybe we should up these a little bit. So. Yeah. 
Well, my last fun fact, by the way, for this, uh, for these divisional round games and for the San Fran Dallas game in particular, only four rookie quarterbacks have ever made it to the conference title game. So that's what Brock Purdy's trying to be the fifth. And if you're wondering who those four are, we've got Sean King, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, and Mr. Butt Fumble himself, Mark. No, no. Katie, I got to tell you, I never in a million years would I have guessed fucking Mark Sanchez. No, he went no, to no. those back-to-back AFC. I know, I know. Well, like, I. <laughs> it's, cra- it's crazy to believe that that, was, that happened in our lifetime, that that was actually a thing where the Jets made back-to-back AFC championship uh, title games with Mark Sanchez, like yeah. just in general, but then also with Mark Sanchez, it sounds right. crazy, but th- these are things that actually happen in the history of the national football league. Like real, ago. real life things. Happened. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> and with that, she needs to take a drink. <laughs> Cause I can't believe it. I mean, stranger <laughs> things like honestly go to, I'm, I'm even more confident about the giants this weekend <laughs> now that you said that. So, uh, All right, well, it is that point in the night where we are going to get it off our chest, positive, negative, football, housewives, life, wine, playoffs. Talk about playoffs. Maybe. I don't know. Caitlin, what do you got for us? I think, but we're basically the same. We discussed it before the show. We were right on par with each other. We are. We are talking about playoffs. We are talking about the New York Giants last weekend against the Minnesota Vikings. We're near the end of the game. The game is tied. And what do you, oh my God, what happens? Are we shocked about this? No. A roughing the passer called gets called against Dexter Lawrence against Kirk Cousins. And Katie, I got to tell you, one of the worst roughing the passer calls I've seen in the last two years when they've been so, so crazy about them. You see the the viral videos on social media where they're making fun of them, where they're picking up people and placing them on pillows. And they're like, this is roughing the passer, like things like that. I got to tell you, Katie, I, it was at the point of the game. We're tied and we're nearing the end of the game. It was so like it could have, it could have cost the New York Giants a great of the defensive game. stop that gets taken away. And it was, and they're on their what? Their own? Not their? They're like in the the ten. They were so close to the end zone that could have been a friggin' like safety for all we know. I just remember him taking him down, being so excited, and then my mood just completely shifted for that call. Katie, I've never been angrier when I was, I, w- I was devastated by that call because I just knew that if the game turned one way and we lost, like I wouldn't be able to get that play out of my head for a very long time. No, I, I, I spewed off every curse word. I think I know in a matter of five seconds, I'm not surprised that my neighbors did not call the police because I, it was like this anger rose up outside it like that. I've never, I've never been this angry in my life in my 31 years of living. I've never been this angry because the game was on the line. The giants are in the playoffs for X amount of years. We're there. We're getting it. And a clean play is about to turn against us. And fortunately it did not, but I'm thinking about it and it frustrates me. Roger Goodell is at the game and I'm like, you know what? Like, Screw you. Finally see the shit that you've put into place, that you, like, these are the rest that you have chosen, that your organization has chosen. And this is what it's become. It's just at this point, like, 
And, you know, we can all cry wolf for our organizations and our teams that we root for. But, Katie, I've been shitting on these roughing the passer calls this entire season. So this is the first time I'm standing up for the New York Giants, my own team. I've been standing up for every other team this whole season. Me too. I feel like there are many Sundays when I'm watching football and I see one of those calls get made and I see the replay. And whether it's the Giants or not, it could be anybody. I'm usually sitting in bed being like, what? Like, how is that? Like, no, no, absolutely not. Um, It's tough. And like, I get it. They're trying to make the game safer and like, shit, like look at the other side side of the coin here. Like, I just can't not think about Tua Tungavaloa. Of course. And, you know, this is a guy who people are like, maybe he should just retire because the amount of concussions he's had in such a short period of time, that could kill somebody, like, honestly. So it's so tough. The refs just, they they gotta get better with it though. I mean, they really do. and, And I said this to you before the show, I said there are also the times when I've seen them make the call. And to me, it is blatantly obvious. Yes, that is a rough in the passer. I see that they're almost like. That's why it's a call. I feel like it's like a DN and a quarterback are almost like paused standing up. Like, okay, I got you. But then the defender still slams the body of the quarterback onto the ground when the play is basically like halted and basically done. Right. Then I get it, but my God, like I said it to you and I said it a couple of times. I felt like Dexter Lawrence, like freaking read Kirk Cousins a bedtime story, like gave him a glass of milk, like put his blankie on him and like tucked him in for the night. Like that is how gentle and soft this sack was. And I, like, I feel like Dexter Lawrence like is like a gentle giant. Like, like you do not want him there. He read you the bedtime story. He he gave you your blankie and he tucked you in. And like, Kirk, like that sounds phenomenal. Like you want to know what my bedtime routine is? Like brushing my teeth, doing my skincare and hopping into bed. (laughs) No one reads me a bedtime story. No one gives me a glass of warm milk. Like I'm just going to bed without any of that. And you were literally just, like, I don't like that's how I felt watching that. I was like, he couldn't have put him down more gently. Like, I don't understand. I know. And like, honestly, like big hats off to like Dexter Lawrence. So obviously they had their media day after, after the win, they're talking, they're talking in the locker room, but they actually didn't see a lot of locker room interviews. It was a couple of days later, you know, they asked him clearly about that because it's it was a, a monumental, we talked about, we wanted a defensive monumental yeah. shift. This was the not the shift that we freaking wanted in the game. No. So every reporter is asking him, and he hats off to him. He was so professional. Not once did he dig at the refs or any call that was made against him. He just said, listen, like the call was made. He goes, but I got to tell you guys, like, I just don't know how to tackle a quarterback any other way. And that's what he said. He's like, at this point, like, I just don't. And I feel like that's what we're getting with a lot of defensive players. They're just struggling to find out this is going to sound very like intense, but like their place on the field, like well, what are they like, supposed it's to just do? It's a question of how, how would you like me to do my job then? And that's how basically Dexter Lawrence had responded to it. Like, I just don't know what else yeah. to do at this point. I don't know how else I could possibly do that and things like that. So, and I think it's a, it's a real, a real statement. So props off to him. Cause he could have been like, F you, yeah. F that, like worst yeah. call ever. Like, like me when the call happens, like almost ripped my TV out of 
<laughs> almost. And I got to tell you too, like, I'm not being dramatic. Like, I probably, like, I don't know if I could have watched the rest of the play. Like, I was so angry, like, so angry. And if that really turned it for the Giants and we ended up losing because of that, that's tough, Katie. Yeah, yeah. It would have been very, very, very difficult. That's tough. But <sighs> I swear to God, if anything happens like that against the Eagles, <laughs> the TV will come off the wall and it's not no it's not attached to the wall but it will come off the little stand that it's on and i will oh oh god but yeah i mean we it's it, it just gets to a point you know we've both have been defending every other team this season so when it comes down to us this last week it just hit so much harder and you're just yeah so figure it out nfl figure it out roger roger goodell that's all we gotta say yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, thank you guys so much, as always, for joining us for this episode of the Real Football Fans of the New Jersey. We are stoked to go into the divisional round. But tonight you have Real Housewives of Salt Lake City at 8 p.m. Obviously, you're watching us. So you catch that later. And Potomac is on Sundays at 8 p.m. The divisional round, Saturday, Jacksonville, Kansas City at 4.30. The New York Giants are at Philadelphia at 8.15 I'm going to need an espresso martini before that game because I'm going to need no sleeping caffeine and a little liquor to get me excited for that game. So I think espresso martinis on Saturday night, I will not fall asleep. And then Sunday we have Cincinnati at Buffalo at 3 PM and Dallas at San Francisco at 6 30. Hallelujah to that 6 30 game. Then it's over and then I'll go to bed after that. But whew. great lineup, great lineup. We do. We've got a great, great lineup, and we cannot wait to talk to you guys next week. Let's hopefully it's a, a good Maybe talk. I don't want to talk to the people next week. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to show up for you guys on Wednesday. Depends how my weekend goes. Well, I said it last week when we were on Big Blue Avenue. I said, let's hopefully the four of us get together and maybe we have like a three day long hangover. Maybe that let's let's hope for that again this week. <laughs> By next Wednesday, we are either going to have, you know, zero voices of happiness, a four day bender. Who knows what's going on? <sighs> But we've made it this far, Katie, and yeah. we're so excited. And I couldn't be prouder of this team, but we are just, we'll move in. Who would have thunk that we'd be here this far? So we're here though. And let's we're make here. the most out of it. Yes. All right. Well, thank you guys, as always, for joining us for this episode. We will catch you next week. And let's go Giants. Go G-Men. Let's go. Good night. Good night.